spend time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. I was talking to a guy that was in his 60s recently, the last few weeks, and as we were talking, he looked at me and said, you know, I didn't plan on my life ending where it's ended. He said, I just kind of ended up here, and one thing led to another, and he just kind of was telling me his story, and it was kind of a good pastoral moment, but something stuck inside of my heart because I work primarily with 20-somethings. And when he talked about, I, I didn't plan on being here. This is just kind of the pathway that uh, life took me. And this is just kind of where I ended up. And I kind of thought, okay, you know, there's some good things about this man's life. There's some real evidences of God's work in his life. But in a sense, the claim that he was making is that this is, in a sense, my accidental destiny. This is just kind of where I ended up. And if we've got a few weeks and months together... I want us to look at each other in the eyes and commit that to the best of our ability, we will intentionally fulfill the call of God on each one of our lives. That we won't be content to, have, to accidentally end up somewhere. There's no doubt about it. There's all kinds of unexpected things that come our way. But for the most part, we've been given a clear vision. We've been given a clear uh, calling from Jesus. And you have gifts and talents and skills and callings that God will and can speak into your heart. And we want, for the most part, to say, all right, for the long haul, let's stay the course on the specific thing that God's called us to do. In Acts 1, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The interesting thing about that word witnesses is that it's the same word as the word martyrs. He says, you'll be my martyrs. You're going to die for me. You're going to die for this cause. You'll be my witnesses. You'll give up your life. And for each one of us, whether you give up your physical life or whether you've said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to daily die to myself. That's the way that Paul talks about it. When Paul says, I die daily, brethren, I mean that. Either way, you in a sense are saying, I'm going to die daily. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a martyr. I'm going to give up my life to fulfill the mission of Jesus on the planet. If you have nothing to die for, you really won't have anything to live for. The very core of being a Christian is that we've given up our lives for Jesus. We've died to ourselves. We're on mission with Jesus. And we have something to live for because something is so real, true, and bedrock with our conviction that we're willing to die for it. We're willing to give our lives for it. We're willing to live on mission all of our days. We're willing to live on purpose all of our days. The world will come to you as you leave here. And some of you, as you go to university campuses, you'll see it within a year. Some of you, it might not really hit until you're, you know, halfway to the grave. You're 32 like me, looking out for plots of land to bury yourself. And you'll be in your 30s and you'll realize, here's what the world says. The world doesn't say live on mission for Jesus. The world says live on mission for yourself. And we know that to be fundamentally true in our minds. But when it's knocking at your door every day or decades, there is a great temptation to slowly interweave the once called mission that Jesus set you on 
and the things that you want that the world tells you you ought to have and create a hybrid. And in so doing, become half-hearted. And in so doing, not be really on mission for Jesus, but have the name of mission for Jesus. But on the interior, on the inside, there's this hybrid mission. It's kind of for God, but it's kind of for me. And this is easy to preach and hard to live, but each one of us want to do this. We want to say, Jesus, we want to be missionaries. We want to be witnesses. We want to be heralders. We want to be, if you will, martyrs. We want to give all. Be it our physical life, maybe, for some. Was for Jim Elliott. It was for these disciples. There are those that give up their lives. Or whether it be dying to yourself every day to accomplish the mission of Jesus, we're the tribe that goes, okay, God, we'll give everything. We'll give all. We'll give all that we have. And we'll live on purpose. As you enter this world, it's like a war zone. And you better know that purpose. You better know the purpose that God has for you. He's given you gifts. He's given you skills. He's given you intelligence. He's given you connections. He's given you relationships. No matter how, who you are, where you come from, God does give visions. All through the Bible, he gives visions and ideas and purpose in different ways. To Joseph in Genesis 37, he gave him a dream. And then Joseph walked that dream out. Moses in Exodus 3, the burning bush, you know the story, gave him a vision. Nehemiah in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah had a burden for the city. Nehemiah wasn't necessarily a dream or a vision or a moment, this moment. It was this burden in Nehemiah 2, rebuild the walls. It was a vision of, of this, this burden. It's a project, really. For David, Psalm 27, he goes, this is one thing I want. That's the one thing I desire. That's one thing I'm going to seek. I'm going to dwell in the house of God. Let the chips fall where they fall, but I'm going to know God. That's what David said. And that was, more like, that was more of a David on the hillside with his guitar alone with God. And there was clarity of some vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Make that personal for you. If you don't have a vision the chances are you'll end up with an accidental destiny. Now, I'm not saying that you'll end up a heretic. I'm not saying that you'll end up uh, necessarily away from God. I'm not saying that you'll end up um, a God-hater, you know, a murderer or some horrible person. I don't think that's true. What I'm saying is you may end up with some kind of accidental, half-hearted, who knows how I got here, destiny. And tonight, what I want to call you to is this. God does have a purpose for your life. And if you don't know what it is, go to the mountain. Get alone with Jesus. Keep asking. Some of you will have dreams. Some of you will have visions. Some of you, you will see a project and you'll say, I'm willing to give my life for that specific part of the cause of Christ. Bill Hybels explains it this way. He says, what do you have holy discontentment over? Holy discontentment. What do you look at and it just, something inside you erupts. Something inside you goes, it's not right. There's people that that holy discontentment really defines their life. You look at Bill Hybels, I would say he's one that the cause of the local church being the expression of Jesus in local communities, that's where his discontentment is. 
I would say another perfect example in our generation or maybe the generation before us would be Ron Luce. Ron Luce has an un, I mean, clear, holy discontentment with the way that our culture is with teenagers, how, how, many, how distant teenagers are from God. And when you think of his name, you can see, you can look at him and you can say, he's on a mission, he's on a vision. And we don't know all the stories if it came with dreams or visions or just a project where he just goes, this is, I'm on mission for Jesus. We gotta reach teenagers. But there are men and women that you get around them and it defines their lives. It defines them. They're on mission. They know it's specific. It's laser clear. God will give you a vision if you'll ask. He'll give you a mission. Kevin Gobro is an example of someone that just saw a project. He just goes, I, I want to fight for the unborn. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it, within our midst, we see a little bit of a holy discontentment with the way that things are. You could see it. I could, I could go through these faces and see some of you, your lives define that. And I want to encourage you, there are many missions, there are many visions, there are many things that God's doing. Ask Him, God, what are you calling me to do? I don't want to accidentally end up one day going to church, smiling on the second row, winking at people, having the big boat, the big car, the big house, not giving hardly anything, but in church. That's not the vision for your life. If you end up there, that's not your, that is not, I'll just go on, on record, that is not the vision God has for you. If you're gonna follow Jesus, and fulfill the vision that he has for your life, it will include sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. <laughs> so we all love stuff. Even the people that sacrifice much, whether it be for prayer, whether it be sacrificing dollars. Every, there's no one that's like, I don't love recreation. There's no one that goes, I don't love nice clothes. There's not someone that goes, I don't love video games. There's not someone that goes, I don't love movies. There's not someone that says, I, you know, I really don't love sleep. <laughs> Saw that one on Facebook. Everybody loves sleep. Everyone loves good food. Everyone loves nice clothes. Everyone loves recreation. Everyone loves hobbies. Everyone lives the fat life. Everyone does. The question is, what do you love more than those things? Sacrifice is giving up the things you love for the things you love even more. You're not wired different because you like sleep, food, and recreation and entertainment. Everybody does. I'm just telling you. But the nature of the men and women of God, are, this is a leadership program. This is a discipleship program. This is a church. You guys are leaders. I'm not talking to you just like, you know, average people. You've come here and said, hey, I want to follow God all the days of my life. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, or stand here and say, hey, be nice, smile big, give a little bit. No. If you're going to fulfill the mandate on your life, if Benji's is really going to go to China, he's only going because he loves something, let's call it Jesus, or let's call it the lost, the unreached, more than he loves the luxuries of America. You'll have to give up things that you actually love. And that's actually your great joy. Jesus had a vision. In John 10, he says, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. The purpose. And it wasn't easy. The cross wasn't easy. Jesus in John 17, when he's about to embrace the cross, he actually prays to the Father. He says, I have finished the work. 
work. I have finished the work, Father, that you called me to do. As you leave here, oh, I, I, wouldn't it be cool if we said radical Christianity was nothing but sunshiny skies and rappelling off big mountains and, you know, burgers, bourbon burgers at Carl's Jr. and the good life. No, you and I know it requires work, requires sacrifice, day in, day out. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's a strong statement. If only I may finish the race and complete the task, the vision, the purpose, the reason that the Lord God has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul says, I'm going to declare the gospel fearlessly. This is the task that God's God's called me to do. And I'm going to do it. God has a vision for your life, and so does the enemy. God has a vision for your life, and so does Satan. God has a vision for your life, and so does the devil. Devil's not real. Yes, he is. Satan's not real. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, he is. And he has a vision for your life. And you know what his vision is for your life? Anything other than God's vision for your life. Any distraction. Any direction other than what God's called you to do. And he winks. God's got him. God's called you to something. God's placed giftings in you. God's placed talents. God. God has given you and will give you even more opportunities. Fight hard to stay center to the vision that he's called you. That's what, he, that's what God wants of your life, of the days that you have. And in fact, everyone has a vision for your life. (laughs) You know that? All kinds of companies have a vision for your money. Disney, trust me on this one, will have a vision for your children. Jewelers have a vision for your wife's fingers. Automakers have a vision for what you'll drive. Different religions will try to persuade you. They have a vision. It's very vital that you, as an individual, seek God like Martin Luther did and say, all right, God, what's the vision that you have for me? Not someone else's vision. Not an industry. Not a religion. God himself. The God of the ages that you know, that you walk with, that you're friends with. What's his vision for your life? Can I be honest with you tonight? Lots of good people will have a vision for your life. Smiley people, nice people, good people, Christian people. When I was 20 years old, I was at a crossroads and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and what God specifically was calling me to. And I'm a real mentor type guy. I love hanging out with and asking questions of guys that are 20, 30 years older than me. I asked a guy who uh, was in business what he thought I should do. He said, David, he said, you clearly have a, a gift of leadership on your life. He said, but the organized church is going away. And he said, you need to do what I did. Go get a business degree and do business because in the last days, God's gonna 
he had this whole thing on, I mean, I'm talking strong Christian guy, he had this whole idea of how that's what I needed to do. I talked to another guy, he had a Masters of Divinity, and he said, David, here's the one thing you need to do, you need to make sure you don't stop your education until you complete a Masters of Divinity, all right? I talked to another guy, he was full-time in ministry, and he said, Jesus is returning, you need to start doing ministry right now. You need to, at 20 years old, just start your own ministry, get started, don't do school. You, Jesus is coming quickly. Start now. Just start something. Why? Well, that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. I had another friend who went to O.R. Roberts University. He was like, you got to go to O.R.U. Man, I could play this game. You could play this game. Truth is, many people will have ideas and visions for your life. And oftentimes, they just want you to do what they're doing. <laughs> and sometimes it's because misery loves company. <laughs> Don't do the enemy's vision. Don't do a business's vision. Don't do someone else's vision. What's God's vision? What's the thing that God has called you to do? Go against the flow of culture, friendships, business maybe. Some of you are in families where education doesn't hold any water, that your parents didn't go get any education, they don't think you should, but you have a compelling vision that you need in order to accomplish what God's called you to do, a healthy dose, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, I don't know, a doctorate, a PhD. There are others of you, education's a big deal in the family that you came from. And maybe you're supposed to get your bachelor's and go, and that's like preschool in your family. The issue is not what your family tradition or what your friends think, but your temptation will be, what do you think, 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 hybrid. I'll please everybody. Don't do it. God, what are you, what are you calling me to do? God, what's the vision? What's the thing? And if you don't know, go to the mountain. Listen. These series of prayer meetings over the course of the last eight or nine months for those of you that are finishing up a second semester. This is the early days. You haven't achieved because you finished the furnace. We, the furnace is an appetizer. This is not a full course meal. This is a getting a little bit of holy love sickness that goes, I want to spend my life in the place of prayer. God will speak to you. You have a purpose. You have a vision. There is a vision from God. And I'm not saying, the truth is, is that as we walk with God, as we walk with God, it's not always that we know, you know, that's where I'm going to be when I'm 60. That's not what I'm talking about. But it is the compass that we talked about a few weeks ago, where you go, I may not know the destination, but I know the direction. And I'm going to start walking that way in sacrifice. Sacrificing things you love for the one that you love even more. That becomes your 24-hour cycle. Sacrifice, when that's the way that fasting works. Sacrificing something you love. Bourbon burgers, pizza, cheeseburgers, popcorn balls, whatever it is, for someone you love even more. Sacrificing Hollywood video or the theater or the Nintendo 64 or whatever for someone you love even more. Getting the education you need. Going back to that chemistry class that you hate so much because of the one you love so much. Sacrifice 
is giving up things you love every day because of one you love even more. Because of one that you love with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. How do I get God's vision for my life? Well, what do you really believe in? What's the thing that you really care about? What's the thing that you have just holy discontentment about? You just look at it. Something moves you. If nothing moves you, get on your face before God. Look at culture. Study culture. Study people. People are your business. God, what have you called me to be a champion of? What are the things you believe in? Number two is what are the gifts that God's given you? What are the spiritual gifts that you have? What are the gifts that maybe even the world recognizes? It's not always, you know, that the church says, here's a spiritual gift quest test. Here's what you have. Sometimes you're working at Starbucks and you are Mr. Congenial, you know, and they're like, dude, this guy is awesome relating with people. And you go, and you'll be able to see even in that environment, you go, this is clearly a gifting that God's given me. Maybe it shows up in your grades. Maybe in your grades you see an area where you're like, you know, Ben Johnson is like, everybody else is horrible at algebra, but I'm rocking. You know, this is clearly a gift of God. I don't think that's really one, but I, I, I don't know. Ask God, look at it. What are the gifts? What, 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 would, what do you have holy discontentment over? To talk language of what you'd be willing to die for, in my view, is a little bit hard at this point. Really, the only thing we're willing to die for is the person of Jesus. And at this point, as your purpose kind of organizes itself, mostly it's only Jesus that you're willing to go, I'll die for that. And this first couple phases, I, I like the discontentment. What, what, what moves you? What are your spiritual gifts? Look over your past. What has shaped you? Romans 8.28 says, you know it well, that God uses all things for the good of those who love him. Just look at the past. What are some of the things that God has brought you through that might give you a little window into some of the areas that you could fight for, that you could stand on the mountain contending in prayer for, that you could be a soldier fighting for in the war zone for the kingdom? What are they? God, God often uses past things to help us advance the calling of our, on our lives. God used David's slingshot skills that were meant just to take care of sheep to kill Goliath, right? God used his guitar skills to help soothe a ticked-off Saul, right? And God will use your skills. He'll use... <laughs> sorry, I'm pulling dynamite. Just that word skills connects it. God will use your skills... God digs skills. God will use uh, whatever skills that you have. Look back, look at your life. What are they? Define them, write them down. Work on it. Don't look at it as this mosaic that's so complicated and so difficult. Instead of having, instead of having a worldview that says everything is so complex, there's so many variables, who knows? Get laser clear and say, this is really simple, but pew, God's called me to lead a prayer movement. God's called me to be a medical doctor, you know, to help the hurting and the sick, you know, in South America. I don't know. Work on it. Work on getting, instead of just, instead of just having a junk drawer of things, I don't know, who knows, ask God. God, help me get clear. Maybe, you know, uh, it takes a month and you kind of get clear on maybe a major and 
few months that goes by and you get a little more clear on um, an area that you, of the country, or I don't know. But it'll get, it'll get more narrow as you ask God. You want to get laser clear on what he's called you to do. Now hear me, hear me. What I'm not saying is that you're going to know exactly where you're going to end up. But you are going to have a compelling vision, something that moves you that you're going to fight for. That you're going to go in that direction, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to give my heart my life for. And then sacrifice for it. Every day. 24 hours. The vision that God places on your heart needs to be big enough to fight for and big enough to sacrifice for. If you can accomplish it on your own strengths, it's probably not God's vision for your life. If you can accomplish it with your wit or intelligence... Your strength, your logic, your ability, then you're not dreaming God's dreams. You're dreaming your own. You want to come to the end of your life, look back, and say, only God. Only God could do that. And that doesn't have to be epic. A lot of times we think it has to be epic and huge. If I don't end up in this, you know, Massive, like prophet to the nations, man, or something like that. Listen, it's not always the individual that accomplishes something huge, but be a part of a church that's accomplishing a miracle. Even if you're the one scrubbing toilets, you're part of a big vision. Even if you're the one, you know, sweeping, but you're doing something. And in that city, that church is making a measurable impact. And only God could do it. Or whatever the thing is. It's not always you, the epic leader. But at the end of your life, you look back and go, only God could give me the strength to do A, B, and C. It took God. Have a vision. If you can come to the end of your life and go, oh yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I can accomplish because I just worked hard, used my mind and the gifts that God gave me. You know, listen, you want to believe in faith. You want multiple times in your life to step out and take the risk and trust God and look back and go, God did that, God did that, God did that, God did that. If the vision in your life is so small that you can accomplish it on your own, you're not dreaming, you're not hearing. You're setting the bar low so that you can make it on your own. Dream big. Ask God, what are the things that you can do through me? Not what can I do. God, what are the big things that you will do through me that will be the supernatural, be the all-powerful God using a human vessel to do big things? My passion for you and for me is that we would come to the end of our lives and we wouldn't be in a conversation with some punk 30-year-old preacher and say, yeah, you know, I just kind of ended up here. One thing led to another and then that happened and then that happened and then that happened. So this is where I am today. No. Ours is, this was the vision that God gave me when I was 21 years old. 
this is the direction that God set me on. And I would have never guessed that this would have come along and this would have come along and that would have happened. But by God's grace, I've stayed the course. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, I'm in my 80s. My heart's alive. I've accomplished A, B, and C. It took God. But together, we did it. No accidental destinies. Fulfill the dream, the vision God has on your life. Dream big. Don't set your sights so small. You can do it on your own. Let God use you to do great things. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.